Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, podcast about games, friends, and getting better. And no, your ears do not deceive you. This is a Benless podcast. I am the much, much, much shorter Ben Hansen, more commonly known as Kelsey Lewin. Uh, thank you for sticking with me this far and not shutting off your podcast app in horror uh, because I'm filling in for Ben this week as he goes on a well-deserved paternity leave, um, which will be followed by Kyle Hilliard hosting the show for the next few weeks after that. But today, it's me, and I'm joined by Jeff Markiafava. That's me. Glad to be and here. And I'm joined... Yeah, and I'm joined by Jacob Geller. Hi, I'm also not Ben Hansen. <laughs> and I'm joined by the glue holding this whole gosh darn thing <laughs> together, uh, Jenna Steber. Hi, I'm the glue. <laughs> She's the glue. She's like the editing and the tech and all of that stuff and all of the things I really don't want to do. Um, so I am very, very thankful that we, <laughs> we have that. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, so today we're recording. I guess it's not that early for you guys. It's early for me. It's it's like 842 right now. But uh, we just watched and reacted to a Nintendo Direct, uh, which we're going to be talking about. And um you know it was it was weirdly better than expected i think um we're also gonna be talking about final fantasy 16 which i believe the embargo is up like right this second right as we're (laughs) recording this so um i have not played more than the demo yet but jacob you've played quite a bit of it uh, is my understanding no idea how much i've played is the real answer like i don't know where i am in the story i couldn't even (laughs) give you an hour count but i feel like i spent all weekend with that game wow um, and then we're going to be talking about Diablo 4, which is, uh, Jeff, you've been playing, and then Jenna, have you been playing that as well? Uh, I cracked into it, but I didn't get to play much. Okay. Yeah, I've, um, I've been playing some of yeah as well. Cool. And then I think we're also going to try to squeeze in a little bit about the demo for Lies of P. So it'll be, it'll be a packed show because uh, we had already planned all the content, and then Nintendo decided to drop a full Nintendo Direct like just in time to, to blow that up, and uh, now I, it might be a kind of long podcast, but we'll we'll try to, we'll, I don't know, we'll keep it interesting. Um, then, of course, the back half of the show, we're going to be going through some community questions, um, and yeah, uh, I'm going to try to do a Ben thing here, um, because I know you guys all miss him already, <laughs> and I'm going to try to like slowly wean everyone off. So can I get some uh, noises for how we felt about that React? Mm. <laughs> I thought we were all going to do them at once. <laughs> I was hoping for a hello, hello, hello kind of situation. <laughs> well, that would have been... That would have been really nice, especially if you could (laughs) harmonize it. Yeah, can we do that again, but in harmony, please? Uh... (laughs) Kelsey, get your bird in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's just going to be... I don't know that that's very good, but... Um, Okay, where should we start with that? What's, like, the biggest takeaway from that show? They're bringing Wario back, baby! (laughs) Yeah, WarioWare Move It, which is coming November 3rd, um, and it looks it looks good, right? Like, I know it just kind of looks like WarioWare, but the last one we got on Switch, I liked, but not as much as I liked, like, the Wii one. Is that how everyone else feels, too? Yeah, about, about. The uh, last one on Switch was the one where you were like directly controlling characters the whole time right like it was kind of a weird swerve for them yeah it was i mean and it like it was still 
weird and fun. Like, I, I think it was a neat idea to experiment with because all those characters had, like, different um, modes of transportation and, like, actions, you know? Like, some of them could jump really high or whatever, but um, but it was still, yeah, it just didn't feel quite... It, it felt like a different take on a uh, OreoWare game, like, from another company or something. It didn't really feel like classic OreoWare, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, what is there to say about this new game that is not just, yeah, it's more of that, and we love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is more, that not more enough? Of, <laughs> more more of the classic, and and it's just, like, the motion controls are the perfect... I, I don't like a lot of games with motion controls, but WarioWare is one where it's like, yeah, I'll get off the couch and be stupid <laughs> for these kind of, you know, really fun and goofy and and genuinely humorous uh, micro games, and so I was I was happy to see them returning back to kind of a more classic formula for that. Yeah, I I love mini games. I just love mini games. Period. And it, it, one of the things I really liked about like Dredge was it's just like oh yeah, here's a fun another little fun little mini game to kind of break up the the general pace of of gameplay like it's just it's always so nice and i love them so much that this is this warrior wear is like snacks for a meal where it's just like nothing but mini games but i'm like that's all i want <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe i'm a, a sucker who just likes seeing things that i recognize but like the thing <laughs> that they've done where it's just like suddenly you are playing another game for like one second you know they showed they showed like the Mario 64 like sliding down the slide and there was like some Pikmin thing and just the kind of like weird magic of like okay what's this next mini game oh it's Mario 64 like that's the next mini game is <laughs> just like such a strange trick that I really like being played um yeah I for for like how social a console the Switch is I feel like other than kind of Mario Kart and Smash Bros I don't have like party games for it um, and yeah, have this you heard seems... of a game called One Two Switch or oh, Everybody right. One Two Switch? According yeah, to it, the director, I, we haven't. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to talk about that. It's so funny. Nintendo, this like this was a fairly packed Nintendo Direct, and there's no reason why they could not have put Everybody One Two Switch in this direct, other than that, I think they know it's trash. Like <laughs> I, they put it out yesterday in a move that felt like, you know, basically they announced the Nintendo Direct and then they put out this trailer and then they did the Direct. Like, it felt very intentionally separate. Like, this isn't how we want you to think of us at Nintendo, but, you know, here is another game for the shelves. So, um... Respect to Polygon. They don't even have on their everything in the Nintendo Direct. There is that pigeon game, Head Bobbers, that we were making fun of for looking like 1-2-Switch. It's not even... It didn't even make the article of everything in the <laughs> Nintendo Direct. <laughs> I mean, it's been not a lot of time. They're probably still working on it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. The the I, I'm with you that there needs to be some more like some party games that anyone can pick up and play. And, and Mario Kart and Smash do a fine job of that, but they're not really not really quite like what you you know get mom and dad and stuff to play mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, and and, and they're Switch implement- Sports. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, I, Switch no, Sports I, didn't really 
Go ahead. I was just I was just going to bring that up too. Yeah, the the switch sports was like kind of hit or miss. Like they they had bowling in there, but a lot of them it was you know like the fencing or whatever. They were trying to make it a little more sophisticated of a game, and it's like I just want something that a bunch of people can jump in. They'll know you know when to waggle a Joy-Con, and then something funny and goofy will happen on stream and the, or or on screen. Uh, and that will be perfect for, you know, more of a party atmosphere that people can just jump into. Yeah, I feel like they could have probably just re-released Wii Sports, like, exactly. Just, uh-huh. <laughs> just ported it, and that would have been fine. But, I mean, you know, point is, like, WarioWare Move It might be it for for that. And, I don't know, it's exciting to have one of those, at least. The big one for me, I think, was Super Mario Bros. Wonder. The <sighs> new, like just actual mainline Mario game in, in sort of the classic style and they're and they're dropping the new is this the first time they've dropped the the new uh word from new Super Mario Brothers you know what yeah, I'm saying I'd right say, I'm making sense yeah yeah <laughs> has there been a, a switch new like game or do they just have them remakes. like available yeah. I think they've just been remakes because it's like it's like the Wii U one they did, and then I think they added extra content to that. But it was, yeah, I don't think they've created a brand new, uh, you know, two D. Yeah, so you can buy new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe on the Switch uh, for sixty dollars. Uh, but I <laughs> I think it is yeah just a just a remake of the other one with maybe some extra stuff. Yeah, so I mean, what what are our thoughts about Super Mario Brothers Wonder? Because I, I mean, the first thing we all said was the art style is is killer. Yeah, like they finally fixed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a subtle difference from how it usually is, and I'm having trouble like describing how it's different. Um, but it's a it's a, it looks really good. It's it's almost like it's. The colors are almost, I want to say, like, there's, like, almost a painterly, like, or, you know, like, more of an illust, just a tiny bit more of an illustrated look to the 3D models that yeah. just, like, yeah, totally. really pops and, and is really impressive. And for some reason made me think, made me kind of associate in my mind more with uh, Super Mario World. And I'm I'm not sure why, because it's kind of, like, all the new Super Mario Brothers games kind of have the same formula but then but then this one went completely bonkers and was doing all kinds of crazy things that we've never seen in mario games like surreal things um i mean the including su- turning it into a giant elephant apparently. yeah i mean super mario brothers has always been such a surreal franchise like the it, if if you if you can clear your mind of everything you know about mario and hop into the first mario game and it's like pull a turnip from the ground and throw it at this dinosaur that shoots eggs at you. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But because like, it's been such a part of the gamer ecosystem for a while, I think we're like immunized to how weird it is. And so it's just a delight to see this wonder game where it's like, yeah, this um, thing that you know is a pipe, which was already really weird that you travel down pipes because you're a a plumber, I guess. Uh, And now it's a little worm and you can be on the top of this worm as it crawls. That's so delightful. Yeah, I felt like the... The the new Super Mario Bros. series, one that came out, which I think the first one was on the DS, right, kind of seemed, you know, 
a fine game. I don't really have anything against it, but it, it felt like it kind of demonstrated to me. It's like pixel art wasn't just like a thing that people did because they couldn't do 3D graphics because those games were just so lifeless looking compared to like mm-hmm. Super Mario World. It just it, they felt like they had such little character. And even as you know, they got onto kind of the more mainline consoles, it was just like this is just like a default 3D character of Mario. Like it doesn't <laughs> feel like it has anything. And this has so much just like animation, just like when he's jumping up, he's doing a different animation than when he's going down and they're like making lots of expressions and we're seeing him turn into an elephant and he gets tall and he gets small and it just feels like it feels like for a while they settled into like, here's what a Mario 2D platformer is and yeah. they have decided to uh, not follow that anymore, which I'm very excited by. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I think that your point about it, just the the last ones looking kind of lifeless. I mean, they almost it, it is the difference between like a like a play school toy or something like just mm-hmm. these like very round, shiny, bright colors that like are not inspiring. And like, I don't. Yeah. And, and like Jeff said, like a, a illustrative or painterly mm-hmm. or something it's i don't know the the colors and the textures in it are just so much more interesting than i think we've seen from a mario game in a really long time and i'm surprised at how much that affected it for me like i'm yeah. surprised at how excited just that detail made me mm-hmm. the the trailer has had some like close-up shots too of mario and it's like oh mario has expressions on his face like he's feeling feelings and that's like strangely new for you know like the mainline plat you know 2d platform uh versions of of mario and that's just super cool and they and they also had a bunch of the other characters that you can play as too they had daisy in there and in all kinds of different characters um which reminds me of course of like i mean i guess they have been doing that for a long time too but but i i like I think it I think it speaks to something that my brain goes back to all of the kind of classic Mario games that I loved. It's it, my mind was like, oh, it's like Super Mario Brothers 2, you know, and like that was such a weird and surreal game. And so, like, I, I guess the it is it is tapping into my nostalgic love for the series a lot more than uh, I was expecting. And I don't know have we had like we've definitely had you can play as Peach and Luigi and Toad for a while. Have we had like. Daisy before other than like Mario Party and Mario Kart I guess I don't think in like a mainstream game like this I don't think yeah which I'm pretty excited about I'm excited about brunette representation finally (laughs) in the Mario games yeah (laughs) yeah so I mean I'm really excited to see more about that and then uh, Jacob you made the the nice joke during that that it's like oh it's like if we finally took seriously that Mario was was eating a mushroom. Ate a mushroom. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just very like surreal things happening that I'm. Um, I don't know. It. It looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. So that's that's maybe my biggest. Um, surpri- like it shouldn't be that surprising that they're going to make another 2D Mario, but like we just haven't yeah. heard anything in a long time. So yeah, it, I feel like it came out of nowhere for me at least. I think it's surprising. I, I think uh, they might have just continued on with 3D. So I, I don't. Yeah. I'm a little surprised. And I was uh, even more surprised to see the other Mario show up, even though it was a game that technically already exists. But like the Super Mario RPG remake 
uh, did not have on my bingo card. Kind of thought <laughs> no. that they were just going to like leave that behind forever to be like, that was old Nintendo. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, I mean, not that not that the licensing for that is like crazy complicated. It is, you know, two companies involved. But like I, it was one of those things where I was just like, they're never going to. That's too complicated. They would never revisit that. Right. It feels like a weird um, obviously like super well-loved game and everything, but also feels like a strange part of Nintendo's history that they're not otherwise interested in going back to. Like anything that's like slightly off brand for them, I feel like they don't acknowledge or revisit. And um, I mean, I saw people talking about this, like it was rumored and I was just like, that it, that's BS. Like that's, there's no way. That is the dumbest prediction I've ever heard. There's no way that's ever going to happen. And uh, I was I was very wrong. I have mean, any of you guys played Super Mario RPG all the way through or halfway through or anything? I, nope. I played part of it a, a very long time ago um, and wasn't like super nostalgic for it, but it it looks it looks really good. Um, it's you know we get we get lots of remakes of old games, and it's and uh, uh, oftentimes it's kind of like a perfunctory like, yep, that looks more like a modern game now. And this is this is another example of like, there's just a lot of really a lot of touches that kind of give it a new aesthetic charm, and and that like you can you can tell that they it wasn't just. Hey, let's let's do this with, you know, well, I guess actual polygons this time, um, like, like actual 3D models and stuff. But like, let's put as much charm and, you know, like environmental details and things that will not just make it look good, but but like give each area a feeling to it. Um, and so, yeah, that's that was immediately on my radar um, during that trailer as well. I'm curious, Kelsey, have you. Have you beat it? I haven't beat it. I have okay. started it a couple of times, um, which is why I'm at least familiar with like the characters and stuff <laughs> in it. But um, but no, I've I haven't. So I feel like we're the wrong. I feel like we're the wrong like collection of people to be talking about this because there's got to be someone here that's just like losing their mind about this right now. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know who's played it, but I know that the fan the fans of this game are freaking out, and <laughs> I don't know, rightfully so. It feels like even as someone who's never beat it, it's like yeah, I get why. This is a huge deal. It looks I'm fun. curious if like the the kind of FMV looking cutscenes that they showed are like are those trailer things or does this game have a like old Final Fantasy where it's like, oh, we're seeing the pre-rendered now like a big story thing is about to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's an RPG. I don't see why not. We, we get to see every hair on Mario's head perfectly rendered. <laughs> <laughs> we we may we not be. Uh, like the best people to freak out about it, but I feel like we are the audience that Nintendo is hoping for when they bring back something like this of like, you know, for people who were interested, didn't really play a lot, but now think it looks super good and are on the hook for buying it when it comes out uh, for the second time. <laughs> it does feel like one of those like, okay, there's no more excuses. You know, this has been mm -hmm. on your list of games I should get around to at some yeah. point for, you know, 20 years or whatever and now there's no excuse because it's on switch and it's shiny and brand new speaking so. of no more excuses uh still no appearance for wind waker hd or twilight princess hd just 
Mark that down. Those games are lost to time. They will never come to a new uh, Nintendo console. They they tried it on the Wii U, okay? And you guys didnn't buy a Wii U, and that's it. That's it. That's all you got. Um, and then they also they teased some other stuff with that, which was very cryptic, like a peach game or a peach something. Maybe it's within Super Mario RPG. Like, could anyone, did anyone understand that? <laughs> no. It, yeah, it seemed separate and kind of like a, a new Princess Peach centered game, which we were kind of talking about, could could definitely use a mechanical uh, overhaul and not be all based on crying and other emotions when she's doing stuff. I, that, I, that one also looks really interesting to me and I want to see what they're going to do with it because it feels like peach could peach could use, use some time in the spotlight and kind of a, a more like uh, involved character overhaul that could, you know, make her, a really interesting character within the within the Mario universe um, and not just, you know, princess that needs saving kind of thing. I definitely got the impression that it was part of the Super Mario RPG thing. Mm. I mean, they show the trailers mm. at like the same time. And so maybe, you know, like an expansion pack or something like my guess is it would be mechanically similar to Mario RPG, but maybe it's just. A completely separate thing that they were like, ah, we'll yeah. throw Peach in here. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, it, but they, but then they also showed like right along that same time they showed the Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon oh, remake. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So that's why I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, are these all? They they played them in such quick succession that like it felt like they were all related. But then yeah, you know, Luigi's a- Mansion clearly isn't. So. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a there was a Nintendo UK tweet that says Princess Peach is poised to take the spotlight in a brand new Nintendo Switch game next year. Yeah, Jan- Janet is all up in our chat saying a brand new game starring Princess Peach is coming to Nintendo Switch in 2024. Stay tuned for more details apparently was the text. So, could be a new Super Peach game. You guys Ooh. feel like this could be uh, not in reaction to the movie cuz the timing on that would be impossible, but like the just Related to the fact that Peach's character in the movie is such a like, you know, clearly more athletic and capable than Mario kind of character. Like, is it is this all like meaningfully coming together as like, no, Peach is here and she is a badass and like she's awesome. And these are like two different parts of that story. Or am I just finding I think I mean, that. (laughs) <laughs> that is that would be my hope um, for the character and the new game, whether that's what Nintendo's thinking or where they're going to go with it is just a total, total guess. Um, I feel like at the end of Mario Odyssey, even they'd had they had Peach being, you know, it's like the end of that game is like she doesn't want Mario or Bowser. She's going to like go off <laughs> by herself. So I do feel like they're, you know, they're they're somewhat reinventing or or you know kind of like trying to shift peach's characterization uh which i guess is good because her previous characterization was she likes to bake a cake for mario you know like Mm -hmm. i couldn't really name many other character attributes (laughs) 
Um, He's just a girl boss now. It feels like just the most like basic low level thing you can do to empower your female characters, right? (laughs) Like she don't need no man. And she's super competent and physically powerful, but she's not the main character. Isn't that funny? Isn't that a funny joke for a movie? It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's still Chris Pratt. He's yeah, still the one you have to watch. Yeah, isn't that? What a fun punchline. <laughs> Let's see, what else from this direct stood out to us? There was uh, the Metal Gear Solid collection coming to Switch. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Yeah, that's more just like Konami's getting getting loose with like what they're <laughs> doing finally like after after many years of just kind of like i guess the metal gear series isn't doing anything now they're like we got a snake eater remake coming out and so you can play these old games so it's it's the metal gear solid trilogy but they also branded it as volume one which was which was weird like how many are they going to do more more switch remake releases I think they, yeah, they had that same branding in the Delta trailer, which is Snake Eater. And so my question has just been like, is four going to come to something other than the PS3? Like that's that's the one that seems most locked to its console because they could do like Peace Walker, which I know is like really important to the story and they could do portable ops. But like, seems like it would be weird for them to do a volume two that didn't have Metal Gear Solid four in it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. And would five? There's no way five would run on a Switch, right? I mean, that game is really well optimized, but I don't know if it's that well optimized. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we saw we saw all the Arkham games running on Switch too, uh, as part of this direct. But yeah, you know what? I'd... Five Metal Gear Solid Five played on Xbox 360 and PS3. So That's like true. if you think of the switch as like roughly equivalent to a 360, hmm. maybe. <laughs> OK. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see what else we had. Uh, I mean, they gave more uh, stuff on Pikmin 4, which I mean, that that was clearly clearly stated in the description of the direct that that was going to be happening. So no big surprises there. Uh, the glow Pikmin look very cute. Um, and then Pikmin 1 and 2 are hitting the eShop. Is it now? Is it right now they're hitting the eShop? Yeah, I think so. I think they said it was out now. Cool. Yeah. I, I'm happy to see more GameCube games just kind of getting thrown out there. Like, it, it feels like such a no-brainer because, like, there's there's so so much love and nostalgia for the GameCube and so little ways to play so many of those games. Like it just, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm totally speaking from perspective of like someone who owns some game stores and knows how often people are asking for GameCube games, but it's like people are trying to buy those games all the time. And like any given GameCube game that was remotely popular is worth like 50 bucks still. So this is a total aside, but I was in a, a game store the other day, which they don't have many in my city. So it's kind of a, a, an unusual thing. And Kelsey, I'm sure you know this, but like, you know how much a like sealed GameCube copy of like Twilight Princess is worth? I assume I mean, the sealed market's amount. wild. The sealed market is a whole different beast. I was just shocked because I was like, I had that game. 
You know, like yeah, I you opened it. it. But yeah, yeah, you but fool. Still, it you like, opened it and it played like $500. it. hundred dollars. You grew. Yeah, but you it. opened it. That guy didn't open it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you got to be thinking long term about this. I'm never opening my games again. <laughs> I mean, you joke, but like at the peak of all of that sealed grading nonsense, people were just mm. buying like cases of Switch games and just grading all of them. And they're just <laughs> sitting there hoping that someday those are worth something. And it's like, I don't I'm just going to total aside here. Here's how the collectible market works. Once people expect things to be collectible, they aren't. You've already missed the boat. That's how that works. Anything that is made to be collectible and is expected to be collectible, there's going to be too many copies of it floating around for it to ever be worth anything. So, um, yeah, not not a good idea to do. Uh, anyways, that's <laughs> total aside. NFTs. Um, Those ones are totally different and will work, right? <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Um, is there anything else from the from the Nintendo Direct we want to unpack? Anything else that stood out to you guys? Uh, I really liked Myth Force, which was kind of a, a surprise that I didn't see coming. That that looks kind of like a I, I think it was first person, but but they very much build it as, hey, this is a Saturday morning cartoon uh, in video game form, which which I feel like is something that you know, has definitely been tried and we we do get cartoon aesthetics for lots of games, but this one really seemed to understand. They, they obviously couldn't say, you know, He-Man or uh, like any of, any of the classic cartoons, but it's like, you guys definitely get what the vibe of those old shows were. And it, it looks like it that has also gone into the character design of, you know, the different characters and all the enemies and things like that. And so that one... That one stood out as um, being something that kind of surprised me, and it was like, okay, I I want to see more of that now. And and usually, usually that kind of three D cartoony, you know, it's it's three D cartoony, but it's a first person game doesn't doesn't always work for me. But but that one looks interesting. Yeah, I'm curious. This, it, it looks really cool. I'm curious to see how it actually like feels to play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do love, yeah, just like the flat shading on all the characters. It, it It's clearly trying to evoke Saturday morning cartoons, but in my mind, it almost looks more like a movie from like uh, earlier in that time period where it's like they have a lot of money to make really smooth animations but it still has that kind of style that kind of flat shaded style kind kind of a last unicorn vibe is what it's giving me which i like i'm into that i want to play that yeah, yeah. So that's that's myth force that's coming uh they just said later this year which i feel like in a direct happening in june is kind of a weird move like <laughs> i feel like you should have a release date by now if you're doing it this year but <laughs> yeah it seemed like we have a ton of games that are going to come out within like a two-month window at the end of the year um november's yeah. getting real crowded yeah 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 um uh warrior move it is november 3rd um the star ocean second story remake is november 2nd uh which i'm i I really want to play, but it's one of those things where I'm looking at the year and I'm like, am I actually going to have time to squeeze in another JRPG? We'll, <laughs> we'll see. And then it'll be my game of the year and, you know, and I'll argue for it at the in the 210s. Um, and then, of course, everyone's favorite, um, Headbangers Rhythm Royale is coming October 31st. <laughs> so that's a, right. the, the Pigeon uh, Rhythm Game Battle Royale game that, like... 
I don't know, Jake, if you pointed out, it just it just looks like we're back in, in Raving Rabbids land. It's just that, like, intentionally ugly character style that I... We can leave that behind. Like, we don't need to carry that forward. <laughs> I, is this intentionally ugly? I mean, they're they're shapely. They're like little beans. I don't know if I think it's quite <laughs> a rabbit. <laughs> they're they're curvaceous. Yeah, you don't like a curvy. You don't like a you don't like a Venus. You don't like a an Among Us out here. I, I love I love my curvy pigeon. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's a men, I don't think it's supposed to be that kind of rabbit vibe. I don't I don't love it, but I don't think it's supposed to be ugly. <laughs> well, also, every time I see a minion. At any point in my life, I think that's a rabid. I think they took yeah. that from rabbits, and minions yeah. are taking over the world, so. Yeah, that's right. for sure. Well, and I like pigeons, and I like rhythm games, so I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just more mad at the art style than I, than I have any right to be, because I'm like, this feels like it should be up my alley, and I'm just, <laughs> make them cute. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, like pretty good Nintendo Direct. I feel like they did a good job of um announcing it in a way that was like, guys, we're just it's just going to be a few things. Don't worry about it. Like don't get your hopes up and then actually dropped some cool stuff. Yeah. Every company should just do that, right? Mhm. <laughs> I think you have yeah, to. It- I think if you if you build it up with any amount of heat, inevitably everybody is going to be disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 feel it felt like it was on par kind of with like Microsoft's showcase and and which one was better to you depends on, you know, like individual preference for a lot of a lot of those, um, you know, kind of classic Nintendo franchises and whatnot. I certainly saw a lot of Metroid Prime fours going by in the YouTube chat. Mm. So it's like, look, some people are still. Uh, waiting for Godot on that one. Yeah. They're gonna yeah. be waiting. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. That's how long it's been. That's, that's the way to, like, preserve your emotional stability. <laughs> it's just forget it ever existed. <laughs> but I get that for some people you can't do that. If that's your favorite franchise, you're not going to just forget that that was announced and that that existed. So I get it. Yeah, that's rough. Jeff and Jenna, do you want to talk about Diablo 4? Here, here. So I did not get to play as much Diablo 4 as I had hoped. Here was my experience with Diablo 4 is that as soon as I opened up, it cursed my keyboard. I have a beautiful pink light up gamer girl keyboard uh, with, with like the underlighting. And as soon as I opened Diablo 4, it turned all of my keys bright red. Uh, and when I closed Diablo 4, it didn't change back. So it has <laughs> it has simply Perfect. cursed my keyboard. If that's on purpose, that's brilliant. Like, actually, <laughs> to, to hack your keyboard <laughs> lights and be like, no, 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 you're playing Diablo you can now. Go yeah. You can actually buy a microtransaction that'll turn it back pink. So, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I really, really enjoyed that the opening cutscene is gives me such like high fantasy Hellraiser vibes. And I didn't know I want that, but now I really want that. Like the 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 modeling on the characters and like their facial expressions and their physical reactions is it was heads and tails above most other cinematics I've seen recently, which have suffered from that that 
um, how to describe it with words since you might not be able to see my face. It's got like, it looks like a mask of expression plopped on a a head that is not otherwise moving. And it has this really uncanny effect. But the the Diablo 4, it just, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It's, It's another one of those examples of where it's like, not only is it technically impressive, but it has vision in a in a way that a lot of games just don't really feel. And the and Hellraiser was absolutely the one that jumped out to me of of like, oh, this is this is super Hellraiser. And and that carries over into some of some of the missions as well, even even when it's you know much smaller characters on an isometric uh you know viewpoint. But um yeah, it for me, like I haven't been a huge Diablo fan and I didn't get into Diablo until Diablo three came to consoles. And so and this one has made some changes that made it a little harder to get into um, because they kind of they got rid of like the directional dodge that you had um, on consoles in Diablo three. And they kind of replaced it with a dodge that works on a cooldown timer. And I get they're going for a different vibe, and I'm sure that totally works. But it's it's been a little tougher to um to transition to that idea. And I, I really just miss my, you know, control stick dodge that I can mm-hmm. just hop out of the way when I'm getting swarmed by characters. And I'm, I'm sure they have reasons that they don't want me to get away from a giant horde of characters that are coming at me, but whether they can't control whether or not I find that more or less fun um, <laughs> in the first game, but I'm, I have been coming around on it and it, you know, it looks really great, but then there is also, you, you know, like the much discussed, the fact that I have to quickly flip past a store in the menus um, when I'm trying to get to, you know, my inventory or, you know, the you know, my back to the you? map or whatever. It starts you in the store, like when you pause the game? No. Well, it's one, one of one of like the the tabs across the top is a store. Um, that oh, so just buy, moving and it's cosmetics. like cosmetics. Yes, it's in between. The, things that you are otherwise accessing that's yeah evil. Or, or yeah it's <laughs> it's like it might be the last one but then there's settings on the other side or, or something like that it it comes up too much to <laughs> it's just maybe i'm just like hyper you know aware of its presence um but i don't like that it's there and i and i and i kind of i it's another and I don't want to sound like super nitpicky, but it's a, it's another thing where it's like, OK, now I'm going back to a town and there's a bunch of clowns running around with stupid usernames that I I just don't want to be there. And I don't, you know, like you're 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 harshing on my Hellraiser vibes like this is this is kind of what I want to soak into. And I don't want to think about, you know, the skeleton suit that I can buy or, you know, mount different mount skins and and things like that. Um but it's it's obviously a there's obviously a ton of depth there that I haven't gotten to. I haven't experimented with a with a ton of the um, different classes or anything like that. Um, and I I do I'm at the point where I do want to continue playing it. But it's for for the many many hours that I put into Diablo three, um, it it hasn't immediately grabbed me as much as as uh, as that game. But then. Also, like, I feel like Diablo three was kind of a special case there, too, because the console version came so far after and after they figured out that people don't like, you know, the the store, the auction house or a lot of those kind of things, which they stripped out for the console version. So 
I guess we're we're just all doomed to relive those things together now until they, you know, tweak things around, hopefully. But I mean, it's I don't know, it just has such a bad reputation for that that I'm I'm kind of surprised that they were like, we don't care. We're doing it anyway. Like just knowing how hyper aware everyone was going to be of all of that. But I, I assume the game is doing well. So, you know, that's yeah, maybe like maybe like just the you know, they got a They got a ton of crap when they announced the mobile game, too. And I'm sure that has done very right. well and maybe reset expectations within the company of of what you do with this kind of thing. It's it's not. I mean, as much as I complain, there's still plenty of game there and you can ignore those things. But I've I've gotten more and more like. I don't know. I don't want to ignore them a- anymore. And and I yeah. don't want them to be there to begin with. And I always like I I have complained about games that kind of, you know, prey on whales a lot in the past. And <laughs> and this certainly feels like, you know, it's it's also doing it, I guess it. It gives me more game that I want to play there and I don't have to interact with that if I don't want to. But but I'm you know, it doesn't get a full endorsement just because those things do still exist and they do still suck. And I I wish they weren't there. Yeah, I it's mean, that, and yeah, I'm like I'm like some of those other whale games it's like you did presumably pay 70 dollars for this one already you know like it's it's not a i don't think those things are acceptable in free-to-play games but like it it feels even more egregious when it's like oh i paid a lot of money for this and and i'm still getting hit with that storefront yeah yeah i get i don't know i get unreasonably upset about about a company that is just brazenly like you're going to pay $70 for this game and you're going to do some microtransactions and we know you hate us for it and we don't care we're rich you know (laughs) it's just it's so frustrating to watch it's like man I wish we could actually I wish we could actually knock them down a peg but we just know that's not going to happen I mean the the Overwatch 2 stuff that keeps happening where it's like surprise you need to pay $15 to get these things that you already thought you had. And, but now it's an upgrade and it's just like, they know that like the people who are mad at them on Twitter aren't going to affect their bottom line. You know, like they just, Mm -hmm. they still have, they still have the people who will buy it and that's enough. Yeah. All right. And and I like, I don't think Diablo four is as bad as kind of that overwatch model. Of, Of course we haven't, really got into like seasonal battle passes or anything like that. I don't, I don't know what any of that's going to contain, but, but yeah, I, I have, I've enjoyed the story more than I thought I was going to. I enjoy kind of, there, there was a lot of talk of like, Oh, you know, there, this, this is like the grim dark version. And as someone who came in on Diablo three, it's like, I know a lot of people complain that like, Diablo three was too lighthearted and, you know, like too colorful, it like those kind of criticisms. It's like, I don't know. I love this game. I don't have any preconceptions. Um, but the the changes in this one have have worked for me as well. And like I like I said, the kind of dungeon crawler, but much more Hellraiser than I was expecting um, has been interesting, despite, you know, the many caveats that we've we've discussed. All right, well, let's let's talk about something 
that I think we're we're a little bit hotter on, which is well, yeah. Final say Fantasy goodbye 16. to dark fantasy and say hello <laughs> to Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> so I've only played the demo, um, and. I also should start by saying I have never seen Game of Thrones. I've never read it. I've never watched it. Um, so I don't know what you all are talking about. I just like this. <laughs> <laughs> but Jacob, you've played a lot more of it than me. Yeah, well, the demo's pretty huge, right? Like the demo is it's, like it's several like hours four, of the game. Almost four hours, I think. It, it wasn't timing, but I think it's it was like an entire evening of mine. So yeah, I it, it's such a weird game. Like I have been I have been dying to talk about this because it is just like so weird apart from even me liking it or not, which I do. But it's like it is a Final Fantasy game. It is relentlessly linear, at least for the first like 12 hours. There is very little RPG-ness to it, and it plays like a Devil May Cry, hmm. which is like Sounds like a game for me does not sound like Final Fantasy, <laughs> you know, like that's just that is not what the series really has a reputation for. Hmm. But like if you're down with all that, it's really cool that that suddenly like the stylish character action genre, which has been kind of underserved apart from like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry is suddenly getting like a 200 million dollar game that everyone's very excited about. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I'm loving the combat in this. And I know that they've tried to do like this is not the first Final Fantasy game with like action combat, but I didn't really like uh, I can't count 15 car boys. Mm-hmm. I didn't really love 15's combat. I found it just a little, I don't know, fiddly and, and confusing. But like this one clicks very well with me and um, just sort of the like being able to cast magic and do melee stuff and just kind of you know warp back and forth with your dodges and phoenix power i don't remember exactly what they call the the, okay (laughs) getting close to like closing the distance on them really fast it's just a very like it it, is very devil may cry it's just a very fun like um action loop but yeah you're right i mean I, I had not even considered it until you said that. I've played four hours of this game, and it is in no way, shape, or form a Final Fantasy. And maybe that, that like, other than the fact that I've seen Chocobos and stuff, you know, <laughs> maybe that gets, maybe that changes more later and it opens up. But right now I'm like, I love this, and I don't recognize it as a Final Fantasy, and also I don't care, because it's great. It's it's so, you know, when I was when I was like a kid kid and I heard someone first refer to Final Fantasy as a series, I I mean, my first thought was like, what an amazing title. You know, I was like seven years old and I was like, oh, my gosh, the Final Fantasy. What's that going to be? And then I saw it and it was kind of like pixel people taking turns to punch each other. And I was like very disappointed because I didn't understand what turn-based combat was and it was just like not what I had in my head and this is basically what I had in my head when I was picturing that which is like knights in armor Godzilla-sized monsters you know like lots of people being set on fire and whatever and it's like it's 
It's a weird. There are so many people set on fire in this it's game. Such Jenny. A weird no pull. It's a weird pull. It's a weird pull to imagine you as a child being like, I thought more people would get set on fire. This is just That's a right. pixel game. <laughs> I was reading Aragon. I liked dragons. Uh, um, I and and it's like you know what I've kind of come to appreciate is that Final Fantasy actually has like a much more interesting and and kind of varied world often than just that fantasy setting you know like i love ff7 so much and it's like i love the city of midgar which completely does not resemble like lord of the rings you know is this like weird combination of like sci-fi and fantasy and whatever and so it's a little strange that this game does play it so straight of just like this is a medieval game and there have been like hints you know there's someone that's like hey that's an airship wreck and i've like gone some places that feel a little more there was technology here or something but like it is it is just like people in armor and you know kings and fancy outfits like talking about kingdom politics which is a very fantasy feeling. <laughs> so is that what is what makes it Game of Thrones, just that it is medieval and there's kings and they talk about politics? Or is it something like deeper than that? Again, as someone who's never interacted with Game of Thrones and just keeps hearing that comparison. There's there's a very Game of Thronesy plot beat that happens in the demo that I won't talk about because it's kind of a spoiler, even though as soon as I saw the characters, I was like, I know what's going to happen here. Um, other than that, I don't think it's I don't think it's that Game of Thronesy. other than just like it's a fantasy world with some messed up stuff in it. You know, like the the first bunch of the game, I'm, I'm probably like 10 hours in, is very interested in this like system of slavery that that this world has uh which i read uh gita jackson's polygon review and uh they noted that uh that theme kind of just goes away uh pretty pretty quickly and then the game doesn't seem that interested in it anymore but it's like there's there are some weird uh kind of sex adjacent scenes early on in this game and they're slavery yeah, in the and, demo too yeah i mean i think kid. the demo is just the first couple yeah. hours of the game is my understanding but yeah so it was like it gets blood splashed on him so it's like i think when people say game of thrones they just mean like it you know lord of the rings is a pretty sexless fantasy and like this is at least uh explicitly <laughs> implicitly different conversation but um <laughs> this one it just it's like it's going for that mature feeling and they like swear a bunch and stuff yeah i i it set the tone for me when in the first, like, 30 minutes of the demo, there's, you know, there's some chaos happening around you and you're running and it is just, like, 20 of the F word in a row. Like, I was like, <laughs> okay, that's what... They're they're just establishing early on here that like hey this is this is gonna be hardcore and we're gonna swear a lot. <laughs> like, it also right. <laughs> it, it, there's a very it's a strange storytelling decision which like your main character uh, named Clive great cool guy cool name um, is like a relentlessly kind of dour character kind of like Cloud you know and he's like he's not gonna crack jokes he's he's on a mission he's whatever and then. They pair him with another man who 
while a little more jokey, is still just like, here are two men who speak in very deep voices and are edgy and are both wearing like black leather. And it's like, you know, in FF7, they really pair Cloud with some jokesters to like make him stand out. And this it's just like, hope you like hard men talking about difficult things, because like, that's what this game is going to be for a long time. Have you, what is your party, like, without too many spoilers, like, what is your party like now? Like, have you added anyone lighter, or is it just two people who are it's dark? A, party <laughs> feels um, a little, give, giving it a little too much credit, because, like, okay. basically, you've got the dog, and you can command the dog to do things. And then I have had a couple different people that fight with me, but, like, they're just companions you know like you really can't command them at all other than telling the dog to like bite someone that might change i'm 10 hours in which feels like a lot but i know not not for this kind of game um yeah so i've i've mixed it up a little and you get some different companions um and like i like i like the things that are happening with clive's story but like it's it's a lot of just just very brooding men <laughs> in, in this game. It's so funny because on the surface, none of this sounds appealing to me other than like the action parts of it. But I'm not typically like a, a medieval kind of person. Dark fantasy. I get annoyed by a lot of just brooding and like, you know, that's not the kind of storytelling I usually like. And I don't know, so far, so good on this thing. So um, I'm maybe maybe I'll watch Game of Thrones next. Uh, also, the music uh, tip top the best. It almost almost feels redundant to say, but like Final Fantasy game has great music. Well, but this is also this is the uh, composer for. Like this is not uh, Nobuo Uematsu, right? This is the composer for Fourteen, which is a different guy, or maybe sound director or something like that. I can't remember uh -huh. the exact titles, but I think the music is not is more Final Fantasy Fourteen, like the MMO, than uh, than traditional Final Fantasy, right? I I'm not sure. I mean, it sounds okay. <laughs> it feels very. There is a lot of like big kind of choir orchestral stuff which i think of as just final fantasy in general but like i haven't played 14 and so i bet if you know if sarah was playing this she would be able to note more specific parallels yeah my, i mean my partner is really into final fantasy 14 and just uh excited about this one as the first final fantasy game in a long time uh because it's a lot of the same people as uh the people who are doing 14. So um, I don't know. Maybe that's what the series needed was just a just an overhaul from some MMO guys. Who knows? It is. It is just so weird that it's like it's way less open than like God of War. You know, like it's like all these other things are going way more in the kind of open ended RPG sense. And this is just like boldly going the other direction. <laughs> I, I really I like I would love to know what Final Fantasy 17's like design is going to be, because at this point, I just have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I am just curious to see, like, how many conventions show up in this game at all based on the little bit I've played, because it, yeah, again, I met it's a not Moogle. starting. OK, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like there's going to be a Sid and there's going to be Moogles and Chocobos and like. 
you know, Shiva exists and stuff like, is that it? (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, they love their crystals. uh, So that's a big Final Fantasy thing. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Jeff, Jenna, are either of you guys going to pick up this game, you think? Nah, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. No. Um, uh, I mean, the Final Fantasy games are always kind of the wait and see what everybody else says. And if people's minds are exploding, then that's probably one I'll try and rush at the end of the year to play and not play enough to have any kind of, you know, smart take on it. But um, it's the Xenoblade yeah, Chronicles it's, three for you this year. <laughs> it is, which I which I really did like what I what I played of it, but I certainly did not did not beat that one. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying that, like, currently the review, uh, the meta score is 90. So oh. it's like it's. That's wild. It's coming in hot. People like it. Uh, right. But also, there are a lot that of is... outlets out there that just give highly anticipated games tens now. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's um. that is still wild to me, though, just because, like, I don't know, to break all of the conventions and still, like, get people very excited about it, I think, is a hard thing to do. You know, it's like when when a musician drops like their weird album that's nothing like the rest of their stuff. It's like, that's what this feels like. And it's just they're nailing it, it seems like. And um, that's hard to do. Is, that's all I'm getting at. Like, that's that is a an accomplishment. All right. Well, that's Final Fantasy 16. I'm definitely going to be playing more. Um, I'm getting my copy today so I can finally play more than the demo. And um, maybe we'll come back to it on the show at some point to, to talk um, later parts of the game or uh, impressions as we get later on. But um, there's one last thing we want to talk about, which is the Lies of P demo, which Jed, are you the only one who's played that or has anyone else played that? I played I, I got through the first boss. And then so it's like it's another pretty lengthy demo. Um, yeah. I'm hearing but like I, I did kind hours. of the first area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you beat the boss? So Lies of P. Lies of P is this essentially love letter to Bloodborne is my understanding. But your hmm. Pinocchio is <laughs> it's like a reskin of Bloodborne. It's not even a love letter. It's a Xerox. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like, is it a love letter when like your stalker starts dressing like you? Like <laughs> <laughs> But is so also is a, a puppet. <laughs> is that a good thing? Because everyone loves Bloodborne, or is it just like, no, this is too similar. Get some new material. Well, this is a thing I'm struggling with because, like, this is a new new studio, and they're obviously chomping that Bloodborne flavor like wild. And so I'm 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 really struggling between like I don't I don't want to compare this to Bloodborne and FromSoft because they're not FromSoft. They're not an established studio who's been doing this for for years now. And so it feels in a way unfair to compare the game. But they also clearly want to be that game. So like from a, a critical standpoint, it's like it it fe- it feels both unfair to compare them to Bloodborne or FromSoft while also being like disingenuous almost to not compare them. But I don't think it compares favorably necessarily from a gameplay standpoint. I mean, I thought that it played better than Lords of the Fallen. You know, like there there are a lot of I played like there have been there have been a lot of Souls likes that have come out that some more explicitly connected uh than others and it's like i think that it feels 
pretty good. I guess what are your what are your mechanical quibbles with it, Jenna? Well, the main one is that there's an undodgeable you there's a there's a, enemies have an attack that is like quote unquote undodgeable. You have to block it. And I hate that. I hate that more than almost anything. Uh, and it's one of the things I like most about Elden Ring is that you really do have some some variety and options in how you approach the gameplay. But it's it's just frustrating to me to be like you've given me all of these different attacks and dodges and ways to engage with this battle. Why would you strip all those options away to reduce me to having to to perfect parry this combat maneuver? I I just find that really frustrating and in general i think the dodge it, it just feels a little bit syrupy the whole thing felt a little syrupy where it was just like i'm not i'm not moving as quickly as i would expect but again this is a thing is it like am i just comparing this to am i not allowing it to be its own thing physically in the gameplay feel am i not allowing it to be different from elden ring and bloodborne but also i don't think it wants it to be it's, it's tricky yeah, I I think there are some there are some interesting things that it's doing where it's like, I guess Bloodborne is so like in my brain that when it does anything differently, I'm kind of like, <laughs> oh, cool. Like this is this is neat. So like one thing that it has is like you essentially have an Estes flask system where you get like three heals. But when you run out of those, you can actually like refill a heal by doing more damage. And so like. There are times when you're fighting a boss in Souls and you might not be dead, but you run out of Estus like halfway through the fight <laughs> and you're like, I guess I'm just not going to make it because I can't do the rest of this without taking damage. And this is kind of like a no, you can clutch it, you know, like if you get enough to get this health back then you can do it. And there, there's kind of like a an attack charge meter that's kind of interesting and different. And I do think. I think the design of stuff Ooh, is yeah. like really interesting. You know, I did I did not play the whole thing. I do think that Pinocchio looks and moves so much like Timothy Chalamet that it yes. is distracting. Yes. Like, like not only does his hair look like it, but when he walks, I'm like they watched Timothy Chalamet walking and they like put that in the game. Yes, um, the Timothy Chalamet flavor is so strong. And I I was as I was playing it, I was like, look at this little Timothy Chalamet little puppet boy. Uh, and then a friend of mine was like, have you seen this little Timothy Chalamet puppet boy? And I was like, yes, thank you. It's, he's very much that. Did, did yes. you get to the part after the Parade Master boss battle where you interact with the lie mechanic? Yes, but I didn't. <laughs> I just got inside. And so I didn't figure out like what it meant to do that. But you do you get to a door and it's like the door is going to ask you if you're human or robot and it won't let any robots that are puppets. So like you have to lie because you're the one puppet who can lie. <laughs> and then the door does that and you say, I'm a human. And then it like debuffs you somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's the the. <laughs> Pinocchio flavor on it is so strong. Like you have like a little cricket friend, Jiminy, uh, is your little cricket friend who is like your your Navi, like your fairy voice guiding you through the game. Like the it's it has committed so hard to the Pinocchio bit, and I am just like absolutely astounded and pleased. I just I I I am I like no matter how the gameplay ends up being I'm going to play so much of this game cuz I just want to be a little puppet boy. 
it says when it's loading, it says now lying, and the loading bar is his nose, his nose growing, growing across the screen. <laughs> Why? It's and then when you when you die, it says like lie or die. I'm yes. Pretty sure. Yes, they are not. They are like so committed to the Pinocchio puppet lying bit, and I I'm obsessed. I love it. I'm so into it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like so that that first boss, which is this big, it's like a a guy who you can find some lore was like designed to lead parades. And so it's just this huge, you know, puppet robot thing. And like when you're fighting him, his like parts are like falling off and he kind of like rips his head off and starts mm. like trying to hit you with it at some point. And so it's like if it can consistently deliver bosses that are like that interesting, yeah. I feel like it'll be worth it just to see those. Yeah, agreed. Cool. I and Jenna, I did see a um a news story that apparently the the designer said that there there's going to be a comprehensive overhaul of the dodge mechanic before the interesting. Game, before okay. Well so. we'll see. That's wow. Yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's a hard th thing to do with like three months until your game comes <laughs> out but at, yeah. The, yeah. at the end of the day this is a lies of p demo and so like I, I, everything that we have said so far is is uh, might not be true for the actual release of the game and that's that's the tricky thing about demos right is like it's representative but it's not the game so we'll see yeah but i mean like when i was watching trailers for it i was kind of like this looks high quality enough that i almost don't believe it's like real because this is a first time studio you know it's like i just kind of don't know where the production quality is coming from and like in the demo it's it it is like sounds like damning with faint praise it's a very functional game like it works uh. basically exactly like you would expect and like the animations look good and so it's like it's not it's not fake it's just is it something more than bloodborne kind of remains mm. to be seen yeah we'll see so Lies of P is coming September 19th of this year. So it is uh, it's it's coming in soon. Yeah, that that feels like not a lot of time to make big changes. But what do I know? I'm not a game developer. Hey, uh, Jacob, I'm new to this. Can you tell me how this whole thing operates? Uh, well, we're funding Ben's baby through a little thing called Patreon. <laughs> that's right. It is Patreon, patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Find a tier that's right for you and support independent games media, um, I, a thing I assume you like if you're here listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you to some of MinMax's biggest supporters, like Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Picking what to eat every night, what to cook, looking up a recipe, and all of that is, it's way too much work. And we've all got gaming to do. I think three I think three of us on this podcast need to finish Tears of the Kingdom still for the deepest dive. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. yeah. None of us and are I done. never will. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but we do want to make sure we're still eating while we're playing Tears of the Kingdom. So that's where Factor comes in. Skip the trip to the grocery store. Skip the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up too, while still getting flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, and then you can get back to playing some video games or enjoying the summer sun or something. Uh, we won't judge. Hey, uh, you know what else is cool? What? Uh, 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's cool that by choosing Factor, you're choosing sustainability. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for their production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So not only are you getting delicious things like roasted garlic filet mignon and, and shrimp or Whoa. Cajun spice shrimp and salmon. Sounds really good. Uh, you're doing it sustainably. They offer delicious flavor-packed options to the menu each week to fit a variety of lifestyles, from keto to calorie-smart and vegan and protein-plus. I didn't know that was a, a, uh, a lifestyle, but I'm, I don't know. I'm here for it. Um, so head to factormeals.com slash minmax50 and use code minmax50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50. Um, get 50% off your first box and have some delicious food. And thank you, as always, to our wonderful friends at I Am 8-Bit. I Am 8-Bit Rules. Do you guys know that they also support the Video Game History Foundation's fundraiser every year? I did um, not. They're not no. paying me to say that. They're just, they're just awesome. Um, fantastic people. Anyways, they want everyone to know about the Bug Snacks 2XLP vinyl soundtrack. This is a 2XLP on tasty orange cream vinyl with music by Seth Parker featuring the track It's Bug Snacks by Caro Caro Benito um, and album art by Nicole Gustafson. They also have some Bug Snacks fine art prints by Nicole Gustafson. They are limited edition, 12 by 12, um, 100 of each museum quality and archival fade and resistant ink and acid free on texture cotton rag paper um, and then there's also a 24 by 12 edition of these fine art prints um, oh man I did not look up how to say it. G-I-C-L-E-E -E. do you guys know how to pronounce that thing I'm so embarrassed it's a it's a print type yeah glycy glycy it's I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> it's my first time. Come on. Um, it, again, museum quality and archival with uh, with art by Nicole Gustafson. Uh, so if you go to IMAPIT's wonderful online store, you can use the promo code National Donut Day. Uh, National Donut Day, all one word, to get 10% off of everything under $100. Help support IMAPIT because they support us in a big way, shipping out a prize each and every week to whoever sends in the best community question. Uh, this week, IMAPIT is giving away the Red Lantern vinyl soundtrack, a uh, single LP on Aurora Purple vinyl, which sounds very lovely. Um, music by uh, her, oh man, her <laughs> Herkesh Herway. I'm I am butchering these names here, and I'm so sorry. Um, but really good music. Um, an album art by Haley uh, Haley Wakefield. So whoever submits the best question um, will get a copy of that Red Lantern vinyl soundtrack from my Mapit in the mail. And uh, hey. Uh, did you know that if you support MinMax on Patreon at any tier, you can submit a question for the podcast each week and be eligible for a cool prize from IMA Bit, just like this one? Um, so please, uh, hey, everyone, I know every week we don't help Ben out at all and we forget all of the questions. And then he's like, hey, what's the best yeah. question? And we all like turn to him and make him do it. Please don't do that to me this week. Ooh, I'm very no fragile. Promises. I'm very new. <laughs> no promises. We'll see. Please, please help me out and figure out the best question of the week. Um, so who and who's going to get the Red Lantern vinyl soundtrack for my mate bit? Because uh, I am boy, this uh, just some behind the scenes here. Uh, ben being gone is tough. This guy does a lot. He does a he lot does. around here. So, <laughs> all right. Are we ready for some community questions? We're ready. I'm ready. You're doing a great job. OK, yeah, thank you're you. doing great. Thank you. All right. Uh, Villain Mac writes in and says, pee-pee-poo-poo, pee-pee-poo-poo, 
pee-pee-poo-poo. I just wanted to see if this is the type of question our guest host would take. Ah. It, they nailed it. Question yep, answered. I, <laughs> going so well. Yep, yeah, you got, you got me. You got me. Okay, anyways. Uh, Cody Allison writes, writes in and says, Lies of P put a fragile and cherished children's character in a dark, violent, souls-like world. My question is this. If I give you a list of other unexpected characters, what kind of game or genre would you plop them into? All right, the first one is the Lorax. My my instinct was to say farming sim, <laughs> but like a Lorax, I don't know what the Lorax version of that would be. Uh, my, maybe an my, anti-farming sim. My instinct was just Final Fantasy VII because I want to make him an eco-terrorist. Yeah. I want him to be blowing up pipelines. Yes, I love that. I love that. Uh, okay. Uh, this one, this one already is in a game recently, but uh, but I think it's still a good one, which is Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Ooh, like point- no one would have thought fighting game, but there he is. So, <laughs> not like I a mean, point I- and click mystery. Maybe that's too obvious. Yeah, they've like probably done games that, they? with a wink. You know, it's like if you know, if you know what I mean. It's all indoors, indoor farming, hydraulic farming <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. Or like, or like a like a crazy taxi kind of delivery uh, game. Oh, with like a Scooby van, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay. How about Willy Wonka? I mean, it'd just be overcooked, but like a weird factory, right? I feel like I'm just doing I, the two two obvious options. I want to see like a like a a city builder kind of thing but you're building the chocolate factory Whoa, oh, that would be okay cool. yeah. and then like the new stardew valley game or the thing that that guy's oh, building yeah, the like chocolate, a chocolate the game. haunted chocolate ear one yeah that oh, yeah. is what that, that is, is. Yeah. yeah you yeah, could that, just put willy wonka in that sure that or or like a five nights at freddy's kind of Ooh. game Ooh. yeah in the Wonka chocolate factory. And he's like the or, voiceover that's like, well, congratulations yeah. on getting this job at my chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Or what if it's like a like a hitman level where you have Ooh. to like Ooh, yeah. eliminate Violet Beauregard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that would get me to play hitman. That's that would that's really good. That's, that's, that's really good. the answer is, right there. Is Willy Wonka public domain? No, I don't think he can be. Not yet. At this point, I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. I never. I almost nothing is public domain. But then every once in a while, it's like yeah, Winnie well, the Pooh. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. I'm pleasantly surprised. Now um, we can make terrible horror movies. Yeah, with that him. just entered the public domain, so that should give you a time yeah. frame. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Um, the last one I'm gonna ask you guys: Peter Pan. So I there was a an. I only know about this just because I'm, you know, friends with some people at the studio. But there was an internal pitch at Digital Eclipse that I still think is um, really, really good, which is a Sherlock Holmes and Peter Pan like buddy beat em up. And <laughs> that's not what I thought was going to come at the end of that pitch. <laughs> it is such a funny little like you know pitches don't mean anything. It's not like unreleased game or anything. It's just someone's <laughs> idea. But it is so. It's such a good like. I don't know, combo of like Peter Pan's the the, you know, little sprightly guy messing everything up. And then Sherlock Holmes is the very like calculated. And, you know, it's just it's like a good 
you know, buddy cop kind of duo. I thought you were going to say the Sherlock Holmes was the bruiser of the two. And I like, I don't think so. I don't think either of those are the bruisers. <laughs> Haven't you seen the Robert Downey Jr. movies? Being smart means you know how to fight. Well, That's right. he, um, he's so smart. He can fight good. Yeah, I don't think that makes you a bruiser, though. <laughs> um, my thought was like, you know, nights into dreams is like a Ooh. game where it's like the whole game is just, hey, you can fly. And like, I don't know if that game would be successful in today's climate, but like it would be cool to have kind of an open world game where like flying was just the whole thing. If you could make it interesting enough. Yeah. And what if it's just uh, Flappy Bird, but it is Peter Pan? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that question, Cody. That was that was fun. Um Andrew Danglis writes in and says, Hey, Horts, with mean old fuddy-duddy Ben away on paternity leave. Seriously, congrats. It's time to get away with something that he would never allow on his watch. Since there is no way he will ever listen to this or watch this. I have have bad news for you. He's probably here right now. (laughs) He's here right now. He's in the room with us. Uh, It's time to throw down some put-ups for Ben. What is a put-up, you ask? Well, it is the opposite of a put-down. That's right. I'm asking you to take this opportunity to flatter and compliment Ben in his absence so he cannot deflect or try to halt the proceedings. Uh, For example, I will go first. Um, This is speaking as Andrew, although I, you know, I, I agree with him. Um, I sincerely appreciate his the openness Ben has about his own quirks and anxieties. Not only is his candor often hilarious, it is also a healthier example that I think he realizes of how to accept oneself. So this is this was unanimously voted on, by the way, uh, internally as like, yes, we are we are doing this um, is the compliment Ben minute of the podcast here. So lay them on me, guys. Well, I'll go first because I think I know Ben the least well of the people here. So we'll get me out of the way. Uh, But when I was prepping for it, so Ben obviously does an exhaustive amount of work behind the scenes that y'all don't even even get to see. And so when he was transferring these responsibilities to me, he made this incredible video walkthrough. And I think he mentioned this uh, on the podcast the last time I was here. He made this incredible video walkthrough that's just like, here's every step. Here's the back end. Here's the settings I use. Here's how we do this. Here's where we click. And it's just like it's such an incredible amount of time and energy to have put into this thing that is just about like making this transition smooth for me and for you. Uh, And it's just like it's so impressive that he was like, I've got to I've got to take care of everyone. So I'm going to make this incredible walkthrough. And I'm just really grateful for it. We're kind of his first babies, if you really think about it. Yeah. He's been, he's been taking because care of Because we're all helpless. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the man was born to podcast host. Like, it is, it is just this weird, uncanny thing where it's like, I've been listening since, you know, he was at the Game Informer show or whatever. And, and it is just kind of like, he's got... He's got that podcast host juice where he just kind of like knows how to ask like a weird question that will push a topic into like something more interesting and uh, knows how to keep conversations moving. And I recently I I met with um, uh, an author who I really like, who just listens to the MinMax show. And he was like, is Ben like that in real life? And I was like, yeah, that's it's not it's not like a front like he he does the same thing if you were just like talking to him. That is something that I think he maybe does not realize just how much of a gift and a talent he has for this kind of work. Um, 
I feel it, especially when he does interviews with like developers and that sort of thing. I'm like, man, like I also do interviews, you know, part of my job, I do research and stuff and I, I interview people for research and I'm like, I can only hope to be as good as you are at this someday because the, the things he gets out of people and like the just smoothness of the transitions between one topic to the next and just being able to really play off of people is, is I think way harder to do than it looks like he makes it look so easy you know i'm a second rate host here but Ooh. i appreciate you guys sticking don't, with me don't put him <laughs> up and put yourself down yeah. that's okay that's fair yeah don't I'm too, put I'm, down zone that's right that's right this is the put up zone um and yeah he is also just a genuinely really nice guy off the camera too i mean i i i haven't known him as long as like you have jeff but it is just he is such an awesome person to be around, whether it is in a like content context or just like a person standing next to me. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and this will super make uh, Ben's skin crawl because he hates the idea of being a boss and, and it is always telling us that he's not a boss. But as far as bosses go, uh, he's actually super cool and super accommodating and and I, th- I think it's because he so he so uh, doesn't want to be a boss that he's like hyper aware of of not making anyone do anything they don't want to, which, you know, can can also be a negative thing. But he he walks he walks that line really well. And he and he's he's open to like actually taking in opinions. It would be very easy for him in his position to just be like, this is what we're going to do. And yeah, yeah. Tell me what you think. Okay, yeah, that's that's nice to hear. But this is what we're going to do anyway. And there there have been, you know, several occasions where he he has internalized what we've, you know, told him we think we should do. And he he goes along with that even when when it when he probably doesn't want to. And I think he I think he is we don't always realize it, but I think he is putting all of our feelings first. And I'm sure there's things that we do that annoy him and that he just like keeps to himself and just kind of has this attitude of like, Hey, I want to keep them happy. And, you know, kind of puts himself second, which, which I, which is kind of also a bad thing that he probably, I hope it doesn't drive him crazy, but um, I hope he's enjoying this break that, and, and now, now he's doing it with a baby. So I'm sure that's not, not the kind of break that he uh, deserves, but definitely deserves the kudos from, from us for, being a good boss. I'm sure he is on the floor right now with his hands <laughs> over his ears, like just skin crawling uncomfortable right now. So you're you're welcome, Ben. I'll, we we took this opportunity to do this to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sam Kennedy writes in and says, with the direct coming in hearing a lot of Switch Pro this, Switch Pro that, we all know Nintendo never does what's logical and would never make the sensible choice to meaningfully iterate on their successful hardware. So my question for you is, what is the real gimmick of the next Nintendo console going to be? Wrong answers only. I want them to bring back, y'all remember on the DS where there were some games that you had to yell at and the yelling would have an effect and it was extraordinarily disruptive to play in public, which is not what you need for a mobile platform. (laughs) That's what I want. I want to yell objection at the next version of a Switch and have something happen in a game. I think they're going to do it's like it literally won't function unless you have two of them there. Like they want to encourage community <laughs> yes! so much that like when you buy it, you're only buying half of one. Ah, I love that. 
I can totally see both those. <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're I, I was, shaped like a heart, so it's like a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> friendship. The best friend's necklace you have to like put together. <laughs> yes, it's that, but a whole gaming council. <laughs> it's going to have a built-in treadmill or something, you know, like the next ridiculous conclusion. Like, you should get out and walk more, so buy the new Nintendo treadmill. The, the the difficult part of this question is they already they already made a device to like monitor you while you sleep. So it's yeah. like where do, where do you go from in terms of ridiculous ideas? You know what though, I would buy if if Nintendo released like a um you know a small compact maybe like it it you know folds up or like shrinks down or is or something. Just treadmill I can just put on my floor. That's not a giant bulky treadmill thing and and had game integration with that or didn't and it was just like a thing so that you can walk <laughs> while you play like, i would buy that and i would use it ah, I, they're gonna... i've been looking at those silly um foldable treadmills that oh, are small yeah. i don't have like a ton of space in my house for that but i had um, one of those it was it was great it was very functional is it yeah okay yeah i got I, one yeah, so nintendo phone. make a branded one make it integrate right. with like two games and uh, and and at least I will buy it. They should bring um, back the DDR pad. That's what I want. I want to see the mat. Like you remember, like the folding mat that you could give for DDR. Yep. That's what I want. And it's the so only I was like, way to control the console. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to be moving to be able to play the game. I love it. Um, I was I was really into DDR for a while when I was younger, and I I actually when I was in college bought one of the metal pads. Wow! And then and then I moved into an apartment that was not on the first floor, and I had to get rid of it. No one wants to hear that. Devastating. <laughs> Bob Buell writes in and says, "Howdy, cohorts, and the new little Hanson. Who uh, who do you believe has jumped more? Every human that has ever lived, or every video game character ever?" Am I crazy for thinking it's a slam dunk that it's video game? Like, oh no, I think it's it not even close. Percent video games. Yeah, when was the last time any Bunny of y'all hopping, jumped? You know, but yeah, like how think, many times do you now. jump a year? Tell me now, when was the last time you jumped? <laughs> it's like I bet in downloading. Remember when you would download uh, Wii games from the eShop, and there's that little animation of Mario punching the block <laughs> as it was downloading. I bet. That loading screen on my Wii has jumped more than I ever have. Like, <laughs> just that. Yeah. Are, now, are we talking about, like, the number of total jumps or the number of people who have jumped versus video total game jumps. characters who have total, jumped? Total, total. total jumps. It's, yeah, total it's got to be total yeah. jumps. It's got to be, yeah. be video games. Yeah, I just, people don't jump i mean the entire like history of mario like the only reason we have jumps in video games is like to solve a very specific design problem where it's like okay if a barrel is coming down at you and you're in a 2d environment where you can't move to the left or move to the right which is what you would do if a barrel was coming towards you i guess you'd jump and that's where jumping comes from you know it's like we, it is a it is a video game problem that is not in a not video game life. Okay, no, you're turning me around. I, 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 I'm, I'm growing. I'm on Nintendo side with this. Y'all need to get out and jump more. Are y'all not jumping a lot? I feel like I'm. 
I feel like I don't jump a lot, but there are occasions in which I do. Like there's, you know, you're climbing rocks yeah. or whatever. You're clambering over stuff. <laughs> you see it, it was, a parking pole and you're like, I can jump that. You where see, are you, you jumping? See, you see a low hanging roof and you're, or a low hanging ceiling and you're like, I bet if I jump, I can tap that ceiling. That's, I, Jenna, you have uh, middle school instincts. <laughs> <laughs> Back at it again at Krispy Kreme. You got to tap it if you see it hanging. <laughs> Y'all got to jump more. Got to get out there and jump more. Yeah. Um, it it was a was... bold statement that Kelsey said that humans don't jump. Yes, I can't <laughs> believe we breezed over that. It's like you you posited that jumping is like to video games is like uh, zip lines are to video games where it's like they're just everywhere, but they're not a thing that you see in normal everyday in day life. That's not what jumping. Are you kidding? I, no, I'm 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 sticking with this. Humans do not like I'm not saying never jump, but I'm saying like the human need to jump. Like have you ever needed to jump? Like that is the action that you must take right now. Yes. Or like I mean to, has, to, well, I'm I'm short, so to get things off of <laughs> high shelves sometimes I got to I have get a stool. I have a stool. And or I, I or I climb on top of the counter. What you're jumping to get like <laughs> Mugs, you're gonna break them. <laughs> you're not putting Thumps. yourself in enough outdoors precarious situations. Uh, you're not. You're not standing on enough precipices. You're not standing on enough cliff sides across from another cliff side. You're not crossing enough <laughs> slightly too wide streams. <laughs> well, like that, so that's what I'm thinking of. I'm trying to think of like jumping is always a last resort like if you are trying to cross a stream and there's little like stones you know in the middle of it and it, you can't just like straight up walk across it you are stretching your legs way before I you're I, jumping I, like, like you are... I hop down from places yeah you know if i'm standing okay. on a little thing is, is that a, would... is that a jump is that a jump or because you're not like going up you are just falling. <laughs> yeah i'm just falling <laughs> I think there. I think if you're just falling, it's fall. not a jump. But I, presumably, you're getting some sort of lift off. We can't. We can't litigate what why a would jump you want is. A lift off. <laughs> the point like, is, would... I think streets. <laughs> streets are a modern invention, uh, relative on the scale of humanity to the invention of video games, which have only existed for forty-five years. I'm. I'm flipping. You convinced me. Also, I just uh, want there to be a, an opposing opinion. <laughs> so I think it's humans. I think humans. You know, maybe have been pla- the, are the original platformers. <laughs> Maybe in the 1500s, we were all jumping a whole lot more, yeah. but modern humans do not jump. They didn't have hammers and you just had to like jump on your floor to level it. Yeah, they didn't have <laughs> stairs yet. Stairs are a modern human invention. They've only existed 100, 200 years. Before that, everyone was jumping everywhere. Does this question change if it's every rabbit ever <laughs> to every video game? Yeah, it's definitely rabbits. It's the yeah. main I think it could form of be locomotion. Because there's a lot of rabbits. There's a, there's a whole lot yeah. of. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> My name is Dan Wrightson and says, "Hey, friends, and welcome, Jenna." I guess you're not a friend. That's kind of kind of messed I'm up. I'm a stranger. Hi. <laughs> what is the proper etiquette when it comes to keeping or throwing away cards given to you for special occasions like birthdays and anniversaries? Do you keep them for a period of time? Do you throw them out immediately? Does it matter which occasion they're for? This needs to be solved. So good luck and thanks for your efforts. 
Oh, oh, Jacob I, has left I the screen. I got the answer. Yeah. No, I don't have the answer because I just don't want to throw these away, but I don't know what to do with them. Oh, so you... I have just a drawer in my house that is the the card drawer, and they just all live there, and I hope it never overflows because I don't know what to do at that point. See, I also keep my cards, but it's purposeful because I like them, and sometimes I like to go back and be like, oh, this is this is because of this thing, or I don't know. My friends and I send a lot of postcards and, and regular cards, so. But do you do you just have a card drawer? I have a card folder. I have like a an expanding folder, like that you keep important papers in, and I, I mm. keep them and like letters and stuff uh, in there. And it's just kind of nice. Although here here's what I'll offer is I know uh, when uh, we were younger, my sister when she got cards like this would turn them into like origami boxes, so they still had like a presence. And it was still like, hey, this this card meant something to me, so I'm keeping it, and I can still think about it and see it. Uh, but it's not it's not just a card, right? It has like some sort of function. This is the life changing magic of tidying up. I'm saying you've got to Marie Kondo your cards. I feel like turning it into a box would make it take up more space. Yeah, That's but what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, but it's like functional. So you've got like this little box that you can keep. I don't know, like pin backs in or pennies or whatever. I guess I, I just know, don't have a lot like of clutter for teeny tiny. Yeah, exactly. That, well, then throw like them away. <laughs> then throw them away. If they're just clutter, then put them in the garbage. Hey, uh, throw the, them in the garbage and then jump on the garbage to, to compress it. it. Get them both. Yeah. A card. The purpose of a card is you put it in the mail and you send it to somebody, and that person receives it, and they think, "Wow, this person has thought about me. They wanted me to have this information that's in the card." And once you consume it. It's you can just throw it's like an empty milk carton like you can just throw it away. It has served its purpose. If you want its purpose to be to remind you of this moment, then you should keep it. But if not, you can just you can just throw them away. <laughs> I think that's a good attitude. So, I mean, I, I have ADHD and I feel like if I don't keep reminders that people were thinking about me, then I will forget that they had been thinking about me. And I feel like that's my, you know, I've never had to vocalize it before, but I feel like that's my reason for keeping it is just that, like, I, I want a reminder so that I don't, you know, otherwise it's not like that I specifically forgot that, you know, mom sends me a card or whatever. It's that I no longer think about the concept of cards at all. And <laughs> if I don't look at that card. Yeah, I've got uh, on yep. my wall as I'm pointing behind me is I have got uh, a whole bunch of cards. Some of these are ones that I've sent myself. Some of them are just art prints that I got at cons. But a lot of them are things that people have sent me. And so, like, what what I want to remember is that this person cared enough about me to send me this card. And that is a worthwhile thing for me to keep. So I'll post it. But, like, you know, it's a lot of cards from a lot of the same people. So sometimes they, they go in the trash because they've served their purpose. For, for me, I think it's... The length that I will keep it depends on how much they actually wrote themselves. And if it's if it's just like a birthday card and then it says, mm -hmm. you know, love mom or whatever, I'll keep it out in and, the and trash. Then, and, and even then, <laughs> she's out there. She's out there babysitting my my kid right now. So I shouldn't say that too loud. But but even then, it's it's like a two stage process where it's like, I'll keep it. It will get put on a shelf. It will probably be there for a year and then I'll come across it and be like, okay, now we can throw that one. There, if there's not a lot of writing in you replace it with the next birthday card. Uh, yes. One in one out. out. Yes. That's yeah. nice. And now, now we get cards for the kids too. And it's like, well, it's a one year, one year old birthday card. I got to keep that, you know, 
It's even well, keeping, when, it's, keeping, when it's for a kid. Yeah, keeping kid stuff seems mm. annoying because I, I know that I feel like I've, I've been kind of annoyed at my mom for throwing out a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, why why would she have just kept a complete archive of my life in boxes mm. like that's. That's also a big pain. She's got her own life and I'm not no. her only child. It's, <laughs> it's a nightmare, man. And it's like my my grandma still has like a bunch of her kids, my like aunts and uncles stuff in her house. And I go there and I'm like, I am never doing this to my parents. You know, it's <laughs> like I I'm moving soon and I'm going to try and take everything that I can of mine out of my parents house and it's like as soon as I do that I'm like throw everything else away like do not let this take up space in your house if it's not meaningful enough for me to keep in my house Kelsey do you feel like your your experience as an archivist has changed or affected your (laughs) approach to saving cards at all I'm a born hoarder, I think, oh, is no. the problem. <laughs> no. I, think it's, I think it's more that leading into my career choice than the <laughs> other. <laughs> um, I try really hard. I've been, you know, I, I've, I've watched the Marie Kondos. I certainly at least try to, like, if I bring something in, take something out. But it's like it doesn't, it seems like no matter how much I try to slim down the amount of stuff in my house and in my life, like, it's just, I will never be a minimalist. <laughs> Uh, you got to read the book. You did, it's not the show. You got to read the book. Okay. All right. We got to read the book. All right. Uh, Abe writes in and says, Hey, Min Max, I randomly remembered that my friend once told me they saw a Rogue Legacy 2 ad at the DMV, which seemed so weird. What is the weirdest scenario or place you've encountered any sort of games media? The more obscure, the better. I write a lot of fairies. I like fairies. So I write a lot of fairies. And I was writing a fairy. God, where was it? They all kind of blend together. I think it was I think it was the uh, Wales to Ireland ferry. And they did have a section on that ferry um, that just had like gaming machines. But like like the gaming machines, you sometimes see it like rest stops where it's like um, just like a, a match, um, like a casino games, basically. Mm. And you're playing to paying to play those casino games. But it was weird to be walking around this nice ferry and just be like, oh, right, I can gamble here, I guess. <laughs> I was listening to um, an Angels game, uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim uh, for the non-baseball people here. Um, And there was a Bandai Namco ad as one of the just like ad reads in their broadcast. And I was like, who is that for? You. And I'm still confused by it. And I I forget what their tagline was, but it's, you know, it's whatever their like corporate tagline is, like a very generic, like fun for everyone or something like that. And I was just like, what? Who's listening to a baseball game? And then it's like, oh, Bandai Namco. I wonder what they make. I wonder if I want to play their games. (laughs) Once I saw like a video game ad before a movie in a theater. Oh. And I, I was very like unsettling and I, I can't I can't even remember what it was I feel like it was kind of back in the like you know 2011 like wild and woolly days of advertising before they learned mm-hmm. that they could just have your phone listen to you and put whatever ads they want on there but it was just like what this is it's call of duty ad like before <laughs> <laughs> all right what do you guys like for question of the week I like the jumping one yeah it's got it's got to be the jumping one right <laughs> I think so I, I like Hanson compliments, but oh, like Hansen I think he would literally jump off a bridge if we gave a person who <laughs> asked that. Oh, when you jump off a bridge, does that count as a jump or is that a fall? Oh, oh it's a it's a jump. 
It's a jump okay. and then a All fall. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess it, it depends on if you just kind of like go over the edge or if you're really proactively jumping first. Uh, which and I, what which I'm I saying would... is that Ben would proactively jump. He would. <laughs> he would. All right. Well, congrat- congratulations to Bob Buell. Um, uh, I am 8-Bit will be sending you the Red Lantern vinyl soundtrack. Thank you so much for submitting your questions. And don't forget that if you uh, sign up for any tier of the MinMax Patreon, patreon.com slash MinMax with two N's, you can submit a question too and be eligible for a cool prize like that. Uh, now it's time for a little something we like to call Get a Load of This. Jacob, what do you got? Uh, get a load of this. GDQ was two weeks ago, last week. I'm not sure, but I've been catching up on some runs because I always have a hard time watching it live. And I always like the runs of games that I've played that I've never thought about being a sped run uh, before. And uh, this year I watched the Peggle speed run, which is very weird because it's like the thing is, it's not as locked in as you would think. Like, I kind of pictured them being like first shot just hits all the pegs on every one. But it's like because the orange pegs move around, they actually don't have like a lot of concrete strategies. And so it's just someone who's really good at Peggle. Like, it's just it's just like this guy's super good at Peggle. And the the commentary on the couch are like three very entertaining people. And it's just like it's a fun run to watch. And it's just like. Never, never did I think that playing Peggle quickly was going to be something that I would like watch someone do. (laughs) I love GDQ for that. It is like, you know, nearly every game in there is something that I don't think about how or at least all the ones I watch are the ones that it's like, I don't people speed run this. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Jenna, what do you got? Or or Jeff, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I was trying to be, I was trying to do the Ben thing and delegate, but you know, <laughs> you guys are, are uh, get a, helpful. Get a load of this. Um, this is speaking of hoarding, kind of. Uh, this is from the Internet uh, Archive. They just um, added and announced, well, it was a couple of weeks ago, they added and announced a, a giant um, optical sound effects library where, where they have these three huge volumes of uh like movie soundtrack uh sound effects that were all recorded from like the 30s up until the 80s mm-hmm. um and they they've released them all all online and it's it's not just it's it's not just like they they like you know remastered all, and all all you know all of that kind of stuff but it's not just like individual like here's a laser sound or whatever it's the actual recordings of them doing it so you can <laughs> hear like all of the you know like Foley artists and like the people, you know, on set and they're like telling them all to be quiet, you know, because this was back when they had like, you know, entire sets and and like talking to if it's if it's a person making sounds or whatever, they're kind of talking to them and giving them directions. Um, and it's as you as you may guess, it also includes the original um, like Wilhelm scream like session okay. that, that oh, was from. And that. I, I yeah. guess it yeah, I guess it was. Um, it was supposed to be a person getting eaten by a crocodile and it was like the Wilhelm scream was like the third take. And so you can hear the other ones into it. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting, interesting wormhole to kind of, uh, you know, jump into and, and listen to all these crazy sounds. I, I listened to that Wilhelm scream one and it was like the first two, I was like, 
is that one it? Is that one it? And then there was the third one. I was like, no, it's that one. I I feel like so it would be so uncomfortable to sit in a room and just like, you know, it's a room full of people ostensibly because, you know, there's there's chatter and stuff. And like you just sit there and it's like, OK, now scream. That <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds so uncomfortable. Sorry, Jenna, go ahead. My get a load of this is Marie Kondo's The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Watching the Netflix show is insufficient. Her actual writing on the subject of possessions and ownership and your space is, I think, really fascinating. I would argue that she has a very philosophical bent to her book and thinking about like the this very very intrinsic almost unnoticeable capitalist impulse to purchase and purchase and buy things and as a result of that to not care very much about the things that we do own uh and i think reading the actual book and the way that she lays it out and the way that she approaches like going through all of your things and engaging with them as individual objects is so useful and important and i think it is actually magic and i think you should read the book I feel like this is targeted. I will. <laughs> is that because I'll I read it? I'll read it. <laughs> yeah. I actually I have been wanting to because um, I, I mean I did enjoy the show and I did like I am working on it. I'm I'm chipping away at it, but I feel like you know her whole thing is like not chip away uh, overhaul. <laughs> I'm, I'm not quite there all. yet, so you'll get there. Um. All right. Well, my get a load of this is. Uh, I was just at a Portland Pickles baseball game, uh, which is a West Coast league. It's not like affiliated with the major league sort of farm system. It's like the college version of the um, prospect system for baseball. So, you know, it does it. It creates major league players. But like eventually, you know, Um, I went to this game because I was in Portland this weekend and I left because it, in like the fifth inning because it had taken almost three hours to get to the fifth inning and they were losing oh. eight to nothing. Um, oh. And apparently after I left, they came back to tie it in the eighth and it was and then um, it became a nine to nine game. Oh. It went to extra innings into the 12th inning. I promise this gets interesting for people who don't care about baseball. Um and because it's like midnight and they're just playing in like, you know, it's a it's a ballpark, but it's still sort of like a park that's used for other things and stuff. Um, the sprinklers go on in the middle of the game. And, and then after that, after they get the sprinklers turned off, the lights shut off in the middle of like the, the, the lights illuminating the field shut off. And, and they do like broadcast this game like this is a, you know, they have cameras, they have an announcer and everything. And so just the reaction from the announcer, it is it sounds exactly like I would imagine like a Super Smash Bros. Melee <laughs> baseball game call is like it's just a lot of screaming and like what is happening and very <laughs> it's, it's so entertaining. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. It's uh, they have the clip on their Twitter, um, which is a very good Twitter account, by the way. So uh, go check that out. And then um, Jeff, did you get one from the community? I did uh, get a load of this. This was um, from a person called Unsupremi um, in our Discord. And it's it's just a tweet that someone put out saying the complete Yakuza 1 through 6 series is available DRM free uh, from good old games for $33.92. That's a couple dollars more than a single Diablo 4 cosmetic armor set. <laughs> and about 1.5 times the price 
uh, of a single Overwatch 2 legendary skin. So, <laughs> ties back to that whole conversation. Jeez. Uh, okay. Hey, I think that is it for the first Minmax show without Ben. Um, the first of many to come for a we while while he's out on paternity leave. Uh, if you like this show, if you like us even without Ben, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Minmax with two N's. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. I know we're supposed to be plugging all of the other things we have going on at MinMax right now, and I'm going to do my best, but I am not 100%. Help me out, guys, if you can remember other things. Um, We've got more of the Deepest Dive on Tears of the Kingdom coming up, I believe, in like a week or two. That will definitely be tweeted about and communicated, but it is going to be... We've we've been doing the best, most thorough discussion on the internet about... uh, about Tears of the Kingdom, and we have covered basically everything through the, you know, uh, unlocking the world and all of the shrines therein, um, and this will just sort of be the big, like, tie-up for all the story bits and um, end-of-game stuff, and I don't think any of us are prepared for it yet, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, if you subscribe to us on Patreon at... Uh, do any of you remember what tier that is to leave a comment for that? Is that the $5 tier? I think any tier can leave. Is it, oh, is it any tier? Okay. Well, either way, uh, go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's um, and find a tier that works for you uh, and, you know, submit your comments for that when we, when we put that live. Um, and let's see, we've got a party chat every week on Monday mornings. Um, that's where we sort of talk about, uh, you know, normally that's Ben doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. This week it was me, Jenna, and Janet, and we talked a lot. We still talked some behind the scenes, but it was like, what is this like without Ben? Oh, God, we're <laughs> please help us. So, um, you know, uh, go check that out. Um, is there anything else going on at Minmax we want to plug? I know we do new show plus every week. Jeff, that was that was you this week, right? You did um, it was your your first Xbox christening? Yes, <laughs> yes. We, me and Leo played a, a bunch of uh, short short looks at a lot of different Game Pass games. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow. Is Thursday, right? <laughs> I'll be I'll be streaming some more Zelda as well tomorrow. Oh, cool. That is it for the Midnight Show podcast. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next time. And uh, yeah, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Bye.